RadioInfluence.com. Alrighty, something totally different. I'm trying to mix it up a little bit. What I did was I went out to a fantastic event in Oldsmar, Florida. It was put on by Oldsmar, uh, the city of Oldsmar in Florida. Visit St. Pete Clearwater. Uh, the organizations did a great job. I'm talking about the USA BMX Gator Nationals. They had participants come in from all over the United States. Um, a lot of families, a lot of trailers, a lot of uh, campers, a huge turnout. And, you know, I had been to this before with my son when he was younger. And they had, you know, they redid this track in Oldsmar. It's one of the best in the country. And these kids are these young people. Some of the best in the world were there, and I got to interview a couple. I did about four interviews. We'll see if I, I, boy, I really want to bring you all four, but what we'll do here today is something a little bit different. Now, again, on the back end, I got stories. I got to get some things off my mind. We'll hang together. All that jazz, the life of Riley, what's going on. We'll do that, but I want to bring you some of the best ever, right now, current, in USA, BMX, a current world champion, a points leader, a young guy that moved from Australia to the United States. It was always his dream. And it really, I mean, I, I wish the sport would get more publicity. No, it's not. It's not motocross. It's not, uh, you know, they pedal, okay? Bicycling, racing, bike racing. And they are just so good. The support, the, the the track, it's like a big one day or two day, three day event. It really, really, really cool. So without further ado, I don't know if you know much about it. I don't know that much about it, but I was blown away by these young racers or riders that I that I interviewed. So why don't we start with the best? Her name is Felicia Stancil. She is the current world champion she's out of illinois 27 years old uh she was an olympian she went to tokyo i believe she was fourth she graduated from a university in indiana where she majored in bmx yeah you could actually do that in college i had no idea so these, these, these young people are driven. They give up a lot to sacrifice to be at this national and world level. And it really is something. And I think they deserve some credit, man. So I really enjoyed it. I hope you do too. Here she is. Really, really nice and uh, very, very cool. Felicia Stanson. All right, Felicia. Um, you are one of the stars one of the biggest stars in bmx uh as a rider an olympian and a lot of the public you know in america focuses on football and basketball and baseball and hockey and things like that you're one of the best in the united states uh how do you feel do you feel that the sport really should be getting more publicity um, I think a lot of people don't know of the sport, but like once 
people learn about the sport and like learn how much it takes to be an elite level athlete, they fall in love with it. So I think like more exposure to the sport will just show how great it is. Um, I've been in the sport since I was four years old and I've just been obsessed since. So I, I'm pretty grateful that my dad used to race BMX professionally. So like he showed me at such a young age and it is such like a challenging sport. There's so many races a year and it's quite like demanding on your body. Every track's different. So anything could happen and it's a quite unique sport, but I'm in love with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I can tell. Now, a lot of times, some, sometimes parents will introduce kids into a sport and the parents will kind of push the kid. That was not the case for you? No, my dad actually had me try a lot of different sports. He, I tried volleyball, basketball, track and field, softball, like, he made me do flag football, like floor hockey. I did so many sports as a young kid. And then when I became junior pro, so junior pro 17, 18 years old, then elite is 19 above. They actually added this new category this past year, which is amazing. It's called U23. So it's like a stepping stone between junior and elite, which is like 20 to, or 19 to 23. So there's like three pro categories. But the second I turned 17 years old, I was in the first pro category. And that's when I decided on my own, I want to like fully commit to it. And so that's when I decided to quit the other sports uh, is during that first year elite. And I've been doing it ever since. Now you've, you've gotten to see all of the, like a lot of the United States, even the world. You were in Tokyo yeah. for the Olympics. Yeah. What was that experience like? And what has this sport done for you besides being out on the track? So Tokyo was an amazing experience. It was always a dream to become an Olympian. And I got fourth at the Olympics. I didn't have my best lap in the final, but I'm gonna like keep pushing. I've made so much progression in the past year. So I hope to keep progressing for the next Olympics for Team USA. Um, but the sport also, I actually went to college for BMX racing. So this is something new, like maybe, 10 years ago that started happening and so uh yeah i got a bmx scholarship went to uh college got my college degree um in indiana it's called marin university and so i got my degree and then after i got my degree i decided to go full full pro and then went to the olympics so the sport has given me so much and i hope to keep progressing in the sport and do the best i can for the country why have you been able to be the best so successful i understand I, i'm sure all the other competitors or a lot of the competitors put in a lot of hard work they do the training what is it um it definitely takes a lot of dedication to become the best like even on like the not just on like the race weekends but day to day you truly have to live the like athlete lifestyle like i was so focused this entire year. I actually had a pretty successful amateur career. I won every single Worlds nine to 18 years old. I didn't lose even like a qualifying, like I won every single one, but I never won an elite title. And this is my eighth year elite. So like kind of like Michael Jordan took him eight tries to win a championship. <laughs> and I'm from Chicago area originally. So like I, you might see me wearing like Chicago Bulls stuff. Cause like, just like the dedication Michael Jordan had to the sport is like inspiring. So it took me eight tries, but this year started off. I dislocated my hip the very first week of January and then I was sidelined for like three and a half months. It was limping. I couldn't walk yet, like go down the eight meter hill. And, but even during that time, I was like trying to like 
push myself as much in physical therapy. I found a place that has like a lay down leg press machine because most leg press machines are like sit down and I couldn't do that because I dislocated my hip in January. So I finally found a place where I could like maintain strength. So even during like the injured part, I just like my main focus was like worlds this year. Like I, I like was so like focused on it. And then I had three months from being cleared to become like two before world champs to like finally be able to ride the track to race. And just like the day-to-day stuff between that three months was like BMX, BMX, BMX. It was kind of crazy. Like looking back, like that focus I had is like kind of what led to it. Like every single day, just the lifestyle. Um, I definitely wanted to have fun once in a while to like be balanced, but um, looking back, I honestly like maybe had like went out with friends like once or twice a month. Like if that, I was so focused on just racing and progressing every single day. So just like every single decision, you have to like kind of think like, is this gonna better me for like the next training session? So it just takes a lot of focus day to day to progress like as much as possible. Um, But yeah, just giving the whole 100% lifestyle to BMX is what like, made me had a good year this year gotcha. i got two more how long you're about 27 28 something like that, 27 how long do you want to go and compete at this level like i just came from the bucks and talked to tom brady who's 45 he's still doing it because he just loves it yeah. what do you think have you set any like mm, i get to about 30 that's it or what do you think I'm for sure going to the next Olympics, which is in Paris in two years. So I'm gonna be so focused until then. Um, my dad's already talking about the next Olympics after that. <laughs> so like, my I definitely like feel support and um, I feel in great shape. Like I'm 27, but I I just turned 27 this summer, but I feel great. Like I had like the best race of my life like this summer. Like I've like progressed so much. So potentially to the next Olympics. Yeah. Awesome. I always end my podcast with this advice, especially if it's a girl, a young girl, and sees what you've been able to do. Well, and you're the best. What advice do you have for someone young that maybe is starting in this or is just interested in this? Um, I would definitely enjoy the whole journey, like just racing, have fun. When I go to the races, I love to talk. I'm like, I love to hang out with people and just enjoy the race weekend. But when I do get back home, I'm pretty obsessed with the like process of training and everything. So if you do want to take it to the next level, don't be obsessed with the outcome, be obsessed with like the process. When I'm home, I'm obsessed with it. And then on race weekends, I actually just like kind of have fun. Like the work is done, have fun, talk and like see what happens. So I would just, um, if you want to take it to the level, like definitely focus on the process. But yeah, definitely have fun and try your best. Awesome, continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you, so nice to meet you. But yeah, even after we finished the interview, she was just telling me the extent of that hip. It was totally like rebuilt. And to have that drive, and you know, it, it, it really was something. So I wish her well. Thank you, Felicia. Very, very nice to meet you. All right, my second guest on the Rock Stops here. He is an Aussie. He is from Australia, 24 years old, pro BMXer. He is the uh, current BMX points leader. And, you know, I did a little bit of homework on him and he was, he was impressed by that. He always wanted to move to the USA. 
and he had been couch surfing and trying to make ends meet. And once you go into this at this level, you got to be all in. And uh, so he's a young guy, you know, and he finally made the move. And what did I tell you afterwards how close we live to one another? Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. But what a good guy. Uh, he's pro BMX. He was in Columbia. He was racing really well. He crashed. He wants to be, his goal is to be an Olympic gold medalist, you know? And so here he is. His name is Josh McLean. And it was an honor to talk with my man, my neighbor now. How about that? How about that? From Australia. And he lives like five minutes from me. Here's Josh. All right, Josh, congratulations on your success. I take it that you are not done yet with your success, right, in this sport, Josh? Definitely not done. So you're from Australia, but you ended up moving here to the Tampa Bay area. I understand that this was kind of a bucket list for you for a couple of years to move to the United States? Yes, I mean, you could probably, anyone in my family has known since I could probably remember that I've always wanted to move over and live in America and I was kind of traveling over when I was 18, 19, ended up meeting a lot of friends and, you know, basically family now here. And I just decided to make this my destination to kind of live here in America when I moved. How how did it start for you? How did you get involved in this sport? Uh, so I was six years old when I started to race. Um, I had an older brother who's four years older than me. He was kind of doing it a lot, a little bit. Um, my parents still didn't want me in the sport just yet because I was still quite young. Um, and I just, I kept nagging them all the time and they wouldn't get me a bike, wouldn't let me do it. And then eventually my um, my actual auntie went to a local store and got me a bike and said, went to my parents and said, here you go, let him race, let him go to the track. And haven't haven't stopped since. <laughs> I was gonna say you were hooked yeah. because some, like some, sometimes there's parents that push the kids and that was far from the case with you. Yeah, no, my, my mom and dad have never pushed me. They've always went, if you want to go, you want to do this, sure. They've always tried to support me as much as they can. Um, once I did start to get a little bit older and everything, and I got a little bit more into it, took it a little bit more serious, we got to a point where it was like, I had to almost decide what to do. If I wanted to keep doing it, if I wanted to keep traveling, I had to start training a bit more, putting in a little bit more effort as well on my side. Now, what is the difference between BMX and pro BMX in Australia compared to the United States? Um, so in the United States, just the support for the sport is a lot bigger. So like if I was to do this and live at home, I wouldn't be able to make a living. I wouldn't be able to keep doing this. I would have to probably have a part-time or a full-time job to be able to live. We're here with sponsors and the prize money and all that added up. I'm actually able to have a living here. That's awesome. So is it similar to uh, auto racing where if you don't have sponsors, you won't be able to race? Now, I know in auto racing, whether it's NASCAR, whether it's IndyCar, the cars are, you know, the whole cars and team, it's so expensive. And there's a lot of pressure on the drivers to make sure they have enough sponsorship money coming in. Is it similar or is not quite that bad? Uh, it's definitely not that bad. Uh, you can still do the sport and compete even if you don't have sponsors. It just means that it's going to be a little bit more expensive for you to get to certain events. Gotcha. What would you say to those that are maybe a novice 
that just watch it a little bit. What's the hardest, the hardest part? What do you really, really need to do to be successful, do you think, in this sport? Um, I think it's, it comes down to, it's like in any sport, is how much you want it. I think if you want it bad enough, if you enjoy it enough, you're going to succeed. And do you like being pushed by other top level drivers? So, some, some actually feel that when the competition is really, really good, it makes you better. Or do you just focus on you doing the best that you can do? I do a bit of both. I definitely like the competition. I'm very competitive. That's why I do an individual sport. I did do soccer when I was younger and because I was very competitive and I, you know, sometimes I'd get annoyed at my teammates if they messed up or they did something. Where in this, at the end of the day, when we're up there at the top of this start hill, it's it's all on us. We can't rely on anyone else to do anything. It's all on us at the end of the day. And just maybe you can give us a little uh, something on like what type of training, what type of physical condition you have to be in. What about mentally too, if you have a bad day or if you fall off? You know what I mean that you really don't understand? Yeah, so well, with our sport, it's actually, you gotta be quite still strong because you gotta have that strength, but we've also gotta be still light enough that we can put out enough power and be able to pedal our bikes quick enough because with some other sports, they got gears and they can change. Where with us, we got the one gear for the whole race and then that's it. So we, we're not able to change gearings. That's interesting. And obviously tracks are different. It's different if it's inside, outside different terrain like different tracks too right and there's a lot of difference yeah everything everything's different like even though this isn't like you know the eight meter hill and it's like the olympic standard um start hill you can still go to other tracks that might have this and it could be you, you can notice the difference i got you now what is the biggest difference between just living in australia and living here in the united states give what do you think um for me, I just got a lot more restrictions not being a citizen here. <laughs> oh, okay. So th that that definitely makes it hard for me with certain things and making sure I, you know, if I leave the country and come back in, I'm allowed to always get back in. I've had issues with it before with certain visas, having a wrong visa, making sure I'm on the right visa. It's just little things like that for me is what I've struggled with. But overall, when you when it comes down to it, like are people still people? It's not that much different. Yeah, no, everything's basically the same. We all got our, you know, the things that we got to do. We got to pay tax at the end of the year and... <laughs> and food. How about food? And, and, yeah, we got to eat food. Got to go but, to the shop. But is there different, is your, you know, food different in Australia than um, here? I would say a little bit. I wouldn't know exactly how to explain it, but it definitely was a little bit different when I first came over. Like, I think I struggled even with like the milk was a little bit different to what we were having. Like it would always... Like I wasn't lactose or anything, but like I would struggle having the milk here, but now I'm used to it and it's fine. Like I don't notice anything. Like to me, it's normal. And last but not least, you seem very, very happy. I was reading that, you know, on this journey, you would be sleeping on couches and this and that. And now you're with your woman yep. and you got a place. And when you have a little bit of stability like that, does that help you when you're on the course? Yeah, well, yeah, like I did do a lot of couch surfing, went from friends' houses to the next and just basically anywhere I could. <laughs> um, but I do have an apartment now with my girlfriend here and, you know, we got out, we even got a little dog now. So it's, it's, it just feels like home now. It's like, you know, I feel comfortable. Like, yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, continued success, best of luck. And it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, man. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Josh. I really appreciate it. So best of luck to you guys in BMX around the United States, around the world. And I hope you enjoy living here next to me. Yeah, it was so funny. I show up at the track. I'm interviewing Josh or Joshua, who has moved here from Australia. He's got a little, he's got a place with his girlfriend. He's like, I live right down the street. I'm like, I live right down the street. He goes, you know, this place and that place, I live there. I said, I'm across the street and I'm one street in right there. How about, isn't that something? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But anyway, very cool people. It's a night. It's a good vibe. The, the BMX community, they're real tight. They travel and families and fans. And it really blew me away on how many were there at this at this uh, couple of day event in Oldsmar, Florida. So they, they did it up. Everybody involved. Congratulations. Good job. All right. What do I got going on? Um, I got to say. You know, I love covering whatever is the is is number one. I love big events. I love covering the NFL because the NFL is king. I like college football as well, but you don't have as much access. Just to let you know, for college football, you don't go in a locker room after a game and go over and interview whoever you want. You have to, you're in a room and... And they will bring out the SID, the sports information director. They will bring out whoever they choose to bring out to you. Similar to what it's been like for the pandemic. And then even worse during the pandemic, it was Zoom. You really had no choice. But now we're back in locker rooms. And and again, the NFL is king. And, uh, you know, the ratings are just through the roof and the interest and all that. Now with gambling, besides the fantasy, and oh my God, it's huge. But, you know, I was just in the locker room this week on Wednesday, last week, every week, Wednesday and Thursday. There's no uh, open locker room on Tuesday. Tuesday is the day off for NFL players. It's always been like that. Some still go in for treatment. You know, their body's a temple. And Oh my God, they have everything at their disposal. The finest training staff, anything that they need. They are told what to eat, how much to eat. They know how many calories, protein, everything. It's just, it's really, it's, you're at the top. You're at the top. And I was in there and just looking at, when you're up close with these guys, you realize how big they are, how, how strong how physically strong and big they are. They are in top-notch condition. I don't understand all the hamstring injuries. There's so many hamstrings, I guess, because their muscles are so tight. That I don't understand with all the training and the studying that they do. But, like, just for an example, okay, Blaine Gabbert, he's a backup quarterback. He doesn't look like he's that tall. He's huge. I would say he's he's about 6'4". And you know, big Ryan Griffin, who is the number four quarterback. He's been with the Buccaneers for like eight years. He came by me. He's got to be six, three and whatever. Like just, you don't realize until Brady has got to be six, six. I'm not kidding you. He's, he's the tallest of them all, but it's just real interesting being in there, seeing them, you know, the, some play cards, they have this little game where it's like a cornhole, but it's little darts, stick darts, st- and it sticks, you know, like, boop, 
and on a board, like a little mini, because it's in a locker room. And uh, they love doing that. Like these guys are young guys, and even in their downtime, they like to be competing. They used to have, before the pandemic, they had a little basketball hoop in that uh, in that locker. Now, going back to the old days with Sapp and Brooks and Lynch, and I don't remember any kind of games that they had, but I, when you go back to the old one buck place, it was, there was high school facilities that were better than that. And they ended up winning a Super Bowl, practicing out on that. They had weights on the back of a porch in the heat to lift. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. But anyway, the, but the reason what I'm getting at is I know the game. Now the rules are ridiculous in the NFL. Anytime there's a long pass, there's going to be a flag. It used to be so rare when there would be a flag called, you know, for pass interference. Now it's almost, almost all the time. I don't know how the defenders are going to do it. They're trying to, and they're going to go overboard now because of the Tua situation with the Miami Dolphins, with the concussions and protecting the quarterbacks. But still, I know you're on your couch and you're like, ah, oh, this game is so soft now. It's still a violent physical game. And the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, uh, Leftwich, told us that this week. He's like, you guys don't, you know, you see it and it's still a very violent physical game. And it really is when you get up close and you see. Now, I've been able to get down out on the field for the five minutes to go. And the perspective, I don't know how these quarterbacks can see over the line. I don't know how like a little guy like Arizona's Kyler Murray can get it done with these behemoths with the offense and defensive line and their hands are up. I don't know how he can see over. When I'm down at field level, it just amazes me. They are the best of the best. But this Thursday night football, because Amazon, Amazon Prime paid so much. It's greed. It's not right. The human body as strong as these young guys are, are not, you cannot play football with just four days rest or five days in between. You're not, your body, it's just, it doesn't, it's not made for, it's a once a week game. It is a once a week game. You should see these guys. You should see these guys on a, a Sunday after a game or mostly if you ever have a chance to see them on a Monday. They got a walking boot or they're, they can't even barely walk. And you're like, and then by Wednesday and the treatment they get on Tuesday and then by Thursday and Friday, and then they're out there playing on, on, on the next Sunday. Look, I'm not, look, they're getting paid so much money, so much money. And they're playing a sport that they love, but also it's a human body. They're not robots. And these Thursday night games have sucked because the bodies, they're not recovered. They've also had bad matchups, too. Who the hell made the schedule thought that the Chicago Bears were worthy of national exposure? They're playing again this week, whether it's the end of this week, we're listening, Monday Night Football after last week on Thursday Night Football. But it's just, it's not working. But it, but money. Cha-ching, 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 cha-ching. Um, you know what? I got to get this off my chest. You know, football is king basketball now basketball is not as popular in florida for whatever reason 
I could never figure it out, but I'm I'm guilty of it as well since I've moved down here. And I've been down here 25 years full time. I don't know what it is. Basketball is just not as popular. I did a, uh, a live TV show half hour every night for 14 years. And when the Florida Gators with Billy Donovan and that group, when they were winning national championships and we would go live up to Gainesville and the ratings would just tank in the first quarter hour from 11 to 11, 10, 15, it would just click. It just didn't. And this is a team national championship, man. You know, it's just interesting. But 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 the NBA is it's not as popular, but it's popular. NFL college football is very, very popular. You got hockey and Major League Baseball. And I know it's America's pastime. But I got to tell you, and I'll let you in. I am, I, re, I know where I am in the pecking order right now. I work for a small, uh, I really like the gentleman that runs it, Brian, Tampa Free Press. And I do sports uh, reports. Uh, I do stories with video uh, on the Tampa Free Press. And that's how I'm credentialed. Uh, I also on every Sunday before uh, every Buccaneer game on Joe Buck's fan, their rate, their, their numbers are through the roof and I'm honored to be on there because a lot of eyeballs see that I have a podcast Bucks kickoff podcast every Sunday, 36 hours or closer to the game till kickoff at least, at least 24 hours and sometimes 36 hours before the game Bucks kickoff. But I'm I'm credentialed really with Tampa Free Press, so I've got season credentials. I'm credentialed to cover the Buccaneers and the NFL. I also was credentialed to go to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. I was credentialed and approved to go to the NFL owners meetings. It was in Palm Beach. I'm hoping to go again in Arizona this spring. I'm credentialed for the season to cover the NHL Tampa Bay Lightning. But I got my rejection email from Major League Baseball to cover the baseball playoffs, even the if the Rays had had advanced. And I'm just like, and I, I again, I know where I'm at. I know where I'm at in the pecking order. I'm low. But wouldn't you think that baseball could use like publicity? They could use like really. I'm, I'm good enough to be covering the NFL. I'm good enough to be covering the NHL, but I get rejected to cover baseball. And for the, for I, I, I'm not good enough to have season credentials to cover the race. It had to be uh, it's single. Now, listen, the race have been very, very nice. Um, and so I appreciate that. But every time I wanted to cover a race game, I had to email my boss. And then he has to apply for single game coverage. It's like baseball. Do you, are you that elitist? Like you're that big? Are you really that big that you don't need the publicity? It's just kind of, you know, I saw the rejection letter. I'm like, oh, well, the Rays didn't make it to the next round, but I wouldn't have been able to cover them anyway. So anyway, it just drives me crazy with Major League Baseball because look, I played the game my entire life, man, from seven years old all the way up to 30. And then uh, my wife at the time had breast cancer and I had to take off for two years. This is pitching in, major, in New Jersey, uh, hardball leagues. 
And so I played from seven years old in uniform, took off 30 and 31 years old, and then went back at 32, pitched in Denver when I lived in Denver. And then when I moved down here, pitched year round, year round in men's leagues here, year round, all the way to 44. And then my shoulder was just, I couldn't do it anymore. And then I had an operation, cocoweed. And then I came back and pitched again and pitched till uh, 50 years old. So, I mean, I love the sport, but I just don't qualify enough, man, to, to cover it, you know? Not for a season and not for the playoffs. Oh, well, such is life. Uh, I got to tell you, you know, it's funny. I I went, I don't know if you know, but I went, I didn't have great grades in high school. I really wasn't into class and this and that. I didn't do good on my SATs because I had a baseball game that day that I was pitching and I just checked off anything, answers and low SAT scores and blah, blah, blah. So the only college that really accepted me was St. Leo College in Pasco County, Florida. There's actually a town called St. Leo next to San Antonio near Dade City. And they were the only ones that accepted me. And I came down, flew down with a suitcase, had never even visited the college Thought that I didn't need my 66 Barracuda, my car, left it in New Jersey. Had never even seen St. Leo College. And a bus picked us up. There was a couple of us, a kid from Massachusetts, two, three guys from New York. I was coming from Jersey. And we get, I remember one guy that got on the bus and he was, we're all freshmen, you know, 18 years old. And he had puka shells. Do you know what puka shells are around the neck? And it was hotter than hell. It's in August. And I remember going off I-75 and seeing all this farmland and big cows and steers. And I was like, whoa. Can you imagine? Now I think of it. What was the thing? I never even visited the place to see if I would like it. It was the only place that accepted me. But I went two years. I loved it. But I missed New Jersey. I missed New Jersey. And I transferred back. There was actually a girl that I was writing letters to in the town of Dover. She came from not much, a little bit of Spanish. She was kind of dating a guy. And then she ended up having a kid with an older Spanish guy, this and that. And I don't know what I was doing. I was writing letters, this and that. And I just wanted to get back to my friends. And I always was chasing the party. Like I put the, the fun with friends above everything else. I'm just telling you the truth. And so I transferred back. And I went to New Jersey. It was called William Patterson College. It was a commuter school. And I ended up, and I had a great time. I ended up getting a job at this newspaper called The Daily Advance. I was driving a forklift. I was working a lot of hours at night. I would drive all the way to Wayne, New Jersey, living back home in Dover. I was never home. And then I would party with these guys, my friend Disco Maze, Bob Wood. We had a comedy team, the Wormwoods, Elmo and Cornelius, with Michael E. Tennessee right below Thick Bush. How y'all doing? Oh, yeah. Had a blast. I started dating a girl that was a, a very attractive a senior man out of high school and just having a blast, having a blast. But you know, you know how they, I was, I'm questioning this. You know that old saying, 
You are where you're supposed to be. Life has a way of where you are is where you're supposed to be. I'm not so sure I buy that. You are where your actions led you to be. There are some times where you don't have choices. You may want to be in a different environment, a different situation, and you can't. But, you know, because the reason why I'm saying this is the other day, I've been dying to do this. St. Leo is located about an hour from where I live now currently. Now, Emily and I did take a ride back maybe two years ago just to see. Uh, And one other time, maybe seven years ago. So it isn't like I had never been back, but it was just one of those things where I just wanted to go back onto campus and just like look around. And I, and I, it's been on my mind like for a couple of weeks and I'm like, well, I want to do it on a day where I'm already over in Tampa covering the Buccaneers. And then I only have a half hour drive. And so the other day I was like, today's the day. I just feel like going back to St. Leo. So I went to the morning practice. I shot video. I saw what was going on so I can tell my listeners on my Bucks kickoff podcast. And then for the interviews, you got to wait two hours until practice is over. You can get that online. And I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'll be back tomorrow for the GOAT, Brady, and I'll be in the locker room. I'm, I'm heading. I'm not telling anybody. I'm just going. And I drove back. And I go off I-75, and then here's the pharma. Now, the place, there's a lot that's been built up. Oh, they got a new community. They got a brand new Publix and a shopping center. Everything is new. But then when you get close, there used to be a blinking light. Now there is a light when you're coming up on this little tiny town of San Antonio slash St. Leo. And then you got to this little convenience store, which is called Jiffy's. Oh, there would be people that would be so high and going in there and looking all around. Uh, I remember when uh, Greek week, uh, when I was a freshman, I ran the uh, second leg of the, what do you call that? When they hand off the baton. And when I was a freshman, I was in great shape. Sophomore year, I was partying a little bit. My lungs weren't in as good a shape, and I felt it when I was running around Jiffy's. And I'm like, wow, how many years ago was that one? Look at, there's Jiffy's. There's the little town. Let's go to the campus. There's the campus. And I just drove around, and there's a lot more cars. Like, there's hard to park. Every kid has got his car now. And, uh, you know, it's been built up, but still the dorm where I stayed was there. You know, I was on that bench. Ooh, there's where I didn't go to class. There was two classes I didn't even go to until the end. Like, you know, and I started thinking like, okay, what would have happened if I did? I enjoyed my time, my first two years, but I was homesick for New Jersey. Isn't that something? And I sure as hell had a blast as a commuter. And the life that I was living with Woody and my friend Disco and all the people that I met and blah, blah, blah. I had a blast back in Jersey and I got my degree, but I didn't, I wasn't involved in anything at the school. I was just down there, boom. And then I would head all the way back up to a town called Mount Olive. Uh, and, and I worked in this newspaper plant and I were, they made me a supervisor and then I was having fun, uh, 
all the time up there. But I was just like, isn't that funny? Oh, so this is where you were supposed to be. Is that how it worked out? What if I stayed? What if I stayed, you know? And then I thought, boy, once you go back to St. Leo, like you're, it's still remote. Like there's nothing that you can walk to off a of campus. You're on a highway. I think the highway is 52, 52 or 54. I always get confused. I think it's 52. There right, still ain't nothing there. There's a golf course, the Abbey Golf Course right across the street. There's there, there ain't nothing. So you are on campus and that's it. But I had a hell of a good time the first two years. As a matter of fact, uh, it just shows you how different guys can be. My wife says, stop generalizing. She hates when I generalize. Guys are so different than girls. I have seen so many uh, videos and pictures on social media of families, moms and dads, if the dads are available, to, you know, move their 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 daughters into their dorm rooms and stuff and like my friend and I at RC we did not want our parents coming to visit us at all we had a black light in our room we had a like a, a skeleton there we were blasting led zeppelin and partying like crazy and not going to class and we were like and uh my friend at RC his father who has passed uh, got a hold of the report card uh, that Ed had at St. Leo his freshman year. And it had like two Fs, a D, and like a C. And the father ran a deli in a town called Booton, New Jersey. And he had a big brother, Ed, Ed uh, Rich Arcee, who I liked. And Rich told the story where the father got the mail from St. Leo and he opened up the report card and he said, what the hell is going on down there? We're going to go down there and see what the hell's going on. And Ed go, and then Rich called his brother and said, mom and dad are going to go down there and see why you're failing, what's going on. We were like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Parents are coming down. But I'm just saying, isn't it so funny? I'm just telling you the truth <laughs> on what it was like. But it was so interesting just seeing some of the sites, like, oh, that St. Edwards, that dorm is still there. Wow, that bench right there. I sat on that bench. and But you can't go back. You know what I mean? That time is that time. But it also, this week, it just kind of just made me think, like, is that true? To the man upstairs or whoever is running the show now. So am I supposed to be exactly where I'm supposed to be? Is that how? Who knows if that's true? You know, what if I stayed at St. Leo? What if I stayed at this job? What if I didn't speak up at Bay News 9 slash Bright House? Would I still have a gig there? No, it was meant to be. You know, I tell everybody this story. You know, and my wife, coworkers, I don't like conflict. And they would always tell me, especially one coworker that I like, he's all, you never stick up for yourself. You never speak up. Speak up. Stand up for yourself. Well, there were new bosses that came in. I had been there for 17 years. And we were real hot and heavy. I've told the story before. Hot and heavy on high school sports. High school. Because nobody else is doing it. High school. So high school football, I can see. And the production quality. They would send out these live trucks 
with a full crew as good as you would get for a freaking NFL game. And if not an NFL game, good college game. Seriously. The satellite time was $4,500 a game. And once football was over, we were doing basketball, boys basketball, girls basketball. Now, look, if you've got a daughter that plays girls basketball, that's wonderful. But does it justify? Are you getting that back, spending that amount of money? And why should I? And it was like we had a big meeting and it was a newer boss. And I, I remember standing up and I said, look, we just finished the high school football season, but why are we sending out a full live truck to do high school girls basketball? I said, does anybody here know who the point guard is for the Clearwater Tornadoes versus the Tarpon Spring Spongers? And we do this for a living covering sports in the area. Anybody here know? Nobody knew. Well, I never, now looking back on it again, why did I speak up? My only time that I stood up, bad move, because the boss did not like that. He even brought me in. How? Why did you do that in front of other people? You've been here 17 years. They look up to you. I'm new. Now it's hard for me to get control of them. They're looking up to you. Why are you doing this? This is what we do. We do high school. We don't do pro. We don't do college. You do high school. Don't you understand it? You know, blah, blah, blah. And it was the one time I spoke up and that was it. I was not renewed at the end of that year. But isn't it funny? The 24-hour all high school sports channel has gone bye-bye because you lose a ton of money. And the that boss that did not renew me, he was he's been long gone. And the head guy, the head guy, when he came in and we had these meetings to get to know him and he would go around the table and tell your name. And when it came to me, he goes, All right, you rock. All I know is that you've been here a long time. What's your deal? I was like, oh my God, this guy already doesn't like me because I wasn't his new guy or something. So, when he, But that guy's gone. So they're all gone. The channel is gone. And I'm like, wow, had I not spoken up, man, because I was got a good salary. Even if it was cut in half, I was still doing well. That's been four and a half years now. Boy, that money, da, da, da. So you know what? I'm just questioning that. What's meant to be is meant to be. You're right where you should be. Really? <laughs> I would like clarification on that. Does anyone have contract contacts to the man upstairs right now? Can verify that or or not? But anyway, I just thought of that going back to my college. So it was kind of neat. And I will be back. It was kind of neat. It's only an hour away, but it is a different life there. It's inland. It's nowhere near the water or anything. It's totally different. Totally, totally, totally different. All right, listen. Um, it's been great. My thank you very much to my BMXers, pro BMXers. Something a little bit different other than ball and stick. I know I was hot and heavy on boxing the last uh, couple of weeks. We shall see. I was really debating on maybe even changing up this podcast because it has not grown to where I had thought maybe it could. And I'm like, okay, maybe I got to be more entertaining. Maybe I should do more of this, a party podcast, this and that, rock parties here, this and that. What about this and that? So I don't know. I don't know. But uh, the rock stops here. We'll just keep on rolling. 
and I enjoy it, and I appreciate you that have been there with me. I really, really, really do. All right? So, uh, and it's okay to question things, right? Who says every statement is right? (laughs) Do I have any regrets? Yeah, I do have regrets. There are a lot of things that I would have changed and done differently. But all in all, I'm very, very thankful. So there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it on that. I'll talk to you next week. This has been The Rock Stops Right Stinking Here and in Leo Land. Life is grand in Leo Land. It was. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. Radio Influence.